Welcome to Feminized. It's time for a show that turns the spotlight on the powerful women shaping cannabis culture. The cannabis industry is on fire and women are sparking it up. If you like the show, please subscribe. You can also subscribe to the Feminized podcast with Liz Grow on YouTube and Instagram. The future is feminized. For our first episode, I bring to you Panamanian-born, Brooklyn-bred, internationally known, Denver hip-hop radio personality, Miss Manji Reverie. Manji is the host of Mile High Sessions podcast. It's a podcast about cannabis culture, and she's also the owner of Cloud7 Studios and Event Space, which is where we shot our podcast today. She's a brand ambassador, a cannabis marketing consultant, and a mom, and she chops some serious knowledge bombs on us about starting over and never giving up on your dreams. Enjoy today's episode. Hey sis, you're now listening to the Feminized Podcast. Welcome to the Feminized Podcast, where we talk to the most inspiring and empowering women in cannabis today. I have with me on the first episode, Miss Manji Reverie in Cloud7 Studios in Denver, Colorado. Thank you, Manji. Oh for my being God. Here. I'm so excited. I'm glad that you flew all the way into the Maha City to sit down with me. I'm super excited to tell y'all my tale. Beautiful. Yeah. Manji, what was it like moving to Denver and starting all over? I knew nobody here in this state. I literally came here, me and the kids. Yeah. So um, it was a start over, you know, it was a start over point, and it was something that I decided that I had enough love for to actually pursue. Yes. Um, I went back to school. I commuted three hours a day back and forth from Denver to Colorado Springs. Oh and my God. I was a mother, um, also full time and a student. And mm. it was a lot of days I wanted to quit. A lot of days. Because, again, you know, you're older. So now you want to try to be, at that point, what's realistic? You know, right. oh, well, there's all these younger kids that I'm at school with, and they're coming out of high school or coming out of college, and mm -hmm. they have that spunk, or they're from here, they have a network, right. and I'm kind of, you know, on the outside, but it was, um, it was a never give up thing. So I got on the radio. I mean, I graduated. Um, Trey, one of my producers here that's here in the house with us, he was one of my professors. So he's always been very close what? to all of my projects and he's kind of watched the progress over the years. It's been at least four years since I've been in school now, probably three, four years. And um, That's incredible. You took him with yeah, you. Yeah, I basically you were like, hey, took him along. Yeah. Oh my God, let's build something together. Let's build yeah, something real. Exactly. You know, imagine as a professor, it's probably you see these students come through and you're like, it must be, you must get tired like seeing him just come through. So getting, just being able to align with you and help you, mentor you through it, must be so satisfying. I had some fun Shout professors. I got a professor, we'll tell a funny story. He hates when I tell this story, right? <laughs> hates this story. First day of school, right? I think I was maybe, I don't know, 30, 35? 35, probably nice. around oh there. My God. I know, I, I was 35, it. my kids were all in, um, high school and junior high school, so older children. Yeah. And I'm so excited to, to be a student again, right? Oh my gosh. Because um, I didn't finish school traditionally. I, did, I was a high school dropout. I did not finish high school, so my life was a different route. And to be able to be sitting in a situation like that was cool because it was like, the one thing I regretted not ever being able to do was go to college traditionally. You know, and I look around the classroom and it's mad young kids. And I was like, shit, 
I was like, you think you're too old for this? I was like, nah, you can't back out of it now. Right. Let's figure this out. Because I had a purpose. I wanted to specifically go to school so I could get an internship on one of the major radio stations. That was my plan. Ooh, I love and it. that's why we were sitting in that classroom. And we had a professor named Jim Coda. Jim Coda, this one's for you. And on the first day of school, he's going through, I guess, you know, the opening, he did the broadcasting, the radio broadcasting side. And then we're all kind of introducing ourselves. And he says, um, he said, well, you young lady are going to have a problem. And I was like, oh man, don't start picking on me already. I said, have a problem with what? You know, outside of the fact that I'm the oldest student. I said, humor me, you know, what, what problem am I going to have? He said, well, you're already looking at this unrealistically. He said, nobody ever comes into the market and off bat ends up in the genre that they want to work with. Mm. He said, and you don't strike me as the country type of girl or, you know, and I was like, hmm. I said, okay. He asked where I was from. I said, I'm from New York. He said, well, we have a voice coach that comes in and she's going to assist y'all with losing all traces of no. accents and different things. I was like, but isn't that what gives you a personality? Mm -hmm. He said, yeah, but that's not universal and you're going to have problems. And I was like, damn. He said, you got to lose the accent and just be ready to end up with your first job in Timbuktu, freaking Alabama somewhere. And it's going to take you a long time to work up to this. And I was like, okay, well, Cool. I guess that's what we're doing. So I went through the program. I graduated. My kids were at the graduation. It was cool as shit. And um, within a, I wouldn't even say it was two months, I got, I got contacted by the main hip hop station here in Denver mm -hmm. and said, we like your sound. It's real unique. Come in with your air checks and let's see if we could work with it. And Jim. I got hired on the station I wanted to go on on the genre I wanted, oh. and I never had to change who I was. As a matter of fact, because I stayed who I was, I was able to do it fairly quickly, you know? Beautiful. Fairly quickly, get plugged in, and then walk through the door with your head held, high, your head held high. Absolutely. Being who you are, knowing they want you for you. Exactly. You know, and that is just, um, oh, I love that story. So I'm still friends with that professor to this of day. Course, when I of course, When I got the job, yes. he called me personally, he said, I've never seen that done. <laughs> he said, and I knew you were special. Yes. So congratulations. Mm -hmm. Go get it. Get it, girl. Yes. I love that. That was pretty cool. So how did you, you know, during that time, I mean, being a mother, being in a city that is just totally unfamiliar to you, being told essentially that you're not going to make it unless you lose who you are. I had so how many people you... tell me I wasn't going to make it. Right. So how do you stay strong? How do you keep pushing? How do you end up hmm. here? You know, because I think that story is universal for everybody who's reaching, you know. So I guess, I guess they got to kind of know the pre-story, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. Why don't we, uh, yeah. why don't we rewind it? Well, take yeah, it back. Let's back up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I think Liz is referencing to the fact that um, I had what I would call a normal kind of typical adulthood. You know, I married pretty young mm -hmm. and I was in love and that this is what I wanted to do. You know, right. as a young person, you can't tell them nothing. Right, and right. when I married, I was um, pregnant almost immediately. Mm -hmm. So I was a mother very early on. Mm -hmm. um, my ex is military, so we spent a lot of time away from home. So mm -hmm. I had to kind of learn how to balance a household of children and 
I had a full-time job. I was a general schedule federal employee. Wow. So I spent 15 years as a federal worker in Europe, you know, working for the military. Oh my God. So I was in, in Europe for a long time doing that. Oh. And as glamorous as I guess that sounds, and it paid very well, mm -hmm. and it, I guess it could be a lot of people's dream scenarios. Yeah. It just didn't feel like enough to me. Right. You know, at these different jobs, these are professional federal jobs. I couldn't be myself. There was no tattoos and piercings and eccentric jewelry and hair and this and that. Yeah, yeah. So I just had to kind of blend in and I've never been very good at that. <laughs> and um, no. just at home, things were just not happy either. And I just mm -hmm. knew there's got to be more to life than just this monotone day to day to day to day to day to situation. Yes. And it was a lot of hard choices, you know, mm. and I had to make decisions that um, affected more than just me. Yeah. But in retrospect, yes. I am so glad that I did sister, because yes. I was able to not only leave something that made me unhappy, um, show my children that I had the courage to leave something that wasn't right and that was not even just the relationship but the job, the location, just everything. The life. Exactly. The life that is yours and you only have one and yes you born. are mom mm -hmm. but you only have one. Correct. And you know and I think when we you know uh, got to know each other you know May we were speakers together at G4 which Correct. I'll see you there again in May. Yes, absolutely. Probably. Okay. Yes. Um, so we're gonna do that. But you know, we kind of, we've been getting to know each other and we've had, you know, some parallel paths because you know, I'm a mother. I was a mother at 25. Mm -hmm. And which I feel like is, oh my God, such a baby. Um, That's when I had my last two kids. Girl, no Both way. of them. I was 25. Are you shitting me? Both of them. I started giving birth with 25 and I ended with another one at 25. They're mm -hmm. Irish twins. <laughs> so you, I had three kids at 25. You are you're incredible. <laughs> wow, that is incredible. So I should just a good age, talk. But yeah, it was no. a great age. And you know, I have my, my love and her dad is actually from Denver. Okay. Born and raised. Um, he's in Texas now. We're all in Texas, all very close. Um, he's not military. Mm -hmm. But as you know, I was military too. Yeah. Mm, and we're taught to obey and we're taught to not... You know, we're just we're just taught to um, serve, follow yeah, certain follow protocol, and, serve. Mm -hmm. and and I did. I was married for uh, almost twenty years. Mm, nice. I was years. married for six, I think, almost mm -hmm. seven. Almost so I mean, I stuck it out for a long time. Yeah. yeah, it was almost twenty, and I yeah. can't say that it was yeah. a bad twenty years. It was just something that didn't fulfill me. So right. instead of staying in a situation that I was unhappy in, right. I um, took a leap of faith, and boy, it was this a hell of a leap of faith. <sighs> But I'm glad I did. Yeah. So um, that's the kind of background yeah. to, to being the mom and balancing it. Yeah. How is it? Uh, my kids are older, so that makes it a little bit easier. But still, I'm the sole parent, you know? Yeah. So that's drop them off in the mornings, pick them up in the afternoons. And oh I actually God. enjoy that because for a long time, as a full-time federal employee, I did not have that opportunity, you know, wow. I wasn't able to be there to do all those things. So yeah. it's cool. The kids might not think it's too cool, but I think it's cool as hell. I enjoy it. I do too. Yeah. I love it. I'm like always pulling up. The first I'm that mom, up. exactly. Yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah. oh my God, shit, here's like, my mom. Gosh. She's like, please. They think I'm so weird. And I was like, yeah, a little bit, I guess. So what do they think of the cannabis thing? And how um, old are they they're not surprised. My oldest is 19. I have a 14-year-old and a 13-year-old. Oh it's an ongoing joke in my house. I think everything that they joke mm -hmm. about has something to do with some type of drugs or mushrooms <laughs> or 
or cannabis. And I think to normal people that Same. would sound freaking weird, right? And I was right. like, but it's not weird. It's only weird because you guys made it weird. My children Thank you. have always known that I was a consumer. I've never, I'm not saying that I'm like in their faces and mm -hmm. rolling up and just, you know, yeah. um, but I've always been very vocal about, mm -hmm. you know, why people feel like this is a bad situation, just so they could have their own opinions, you know? Right. Um, right. To them, it would probably be weird to not see me in a, in a situation where I consume because they know that right. for me, it's it's an anxiety thing. It's um, it's a medical thing, really, you know. And 100%. Of course, 100%. the wreck part is fun, you know, but <laughs> it's a lot to balance. Mm. So right. it balances me. Right, right. So how are you involved right now in the industry? So this was a weird industry to kind of fall into. Again, mm -hmm. my background is um, radio and music. So the pandemic happened, COVID came, right? And uh, that we little were, thing. Yeah, yes, that little thing. <laughs> we were furloughed off of the radio station, um, all but three of the DJs. And basically everybody was on unemployment for a while, which was, which was cool because yeah. I don't get too many breaks too often. So right. I did a lot of traveling when probably should have sat still, but I enjoyed yeah. my little bit of downtime. Right. And as the months went by, I realized that they probably weren't bringing us back to radio anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And I needed something productive to do with my time. Yeah, um, Bills still had to be paid. We weren't getting paid off the radio and it wasn't you know, any guarantee that that unemployment was gonna last any longer than you know, what they were offering. Right, right. So I had come up with an idea, and this was a couple of years back. I always kind of had an idea of doing a podcast, but I didn't want to do it because I know that it's a freaking lot of work that entails doing a podcast. Yes. You know, even if it's just the audio, but- Not just talking. Thank you. Not just talking. It's not at all. You know, you, you have to think it out very thoroughly as far as what your audiences and just you know being in radio and the marketing side of that i understood that so when i was thinking of doing a podcast i i wanted to stick to a subject that i would not run out of content for and um i didn't want to do a music related podcast i felt like there was people that had way better experience and a niche for that yeah and i yeah. left that for them and denver i wouldn't consider a very musical city so i wouldn't been, right. been able to carry that podcast for any prolonged period of time Smart. um i didn't want to at least and a lot of people still criticize me like you're on the radio i was like i didn't want to do absolutely anything related to music i wanted this to kind of challenge me and be something different so um I call, I call back home to, to New York and I ask um, my big brother, Redman, I was like, what do you think I should do a podcast on? And he says to me, um, you already know the answer to that. I don't know why you're bothering me with this shit. He was like, you live in a freaking city where you're surrounded by every legal portion of that. Go figure it out. And yes. I want my royalties once you make it. <laughs> have fun kind of just I was like yeah. damn maybe he's right you know okay. so I kind of want verification and I call a different camp and um, a friend of mine Sonny who is um, a producer over at the drink champs camp mm -hmm. in Miami and I asked him the same thing and he kind of laughs and he was like I don't know why you're calling me for this you already know your answer do cannabis you got this call me if you need any help 
So I kind of sat on that idea for a little bit and I was like, that might not be a bad idea because I do consume and I, I knew a lot of people industry wise and right. I was like, that might be fun. But how could I get this to be a situation where it's beneficial to the people that I'm working with mm -hmm. and something that I could actually make a living off of? Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't look at it as a marketing situation at that point in time, but I still wanted to be able to showcase different products mm -hmm. and just how we've seen done in the regular industry because you also worked in the industry yeah so yeah. we understand like the reason why i don't have a coca-cola bottle sitting up here real pretty and you see these red cups because it's marketing <laughs> you know right. what i'm saying so we know kind of how to maneuver in that part of the industry and i reached out to um, wolfpack cannabis actually and asked Yay. them would there be interest in having somebody assist with the marketing and kind of promoting um promoting the whole situation and they took a shot they said yes, so they sponsored you know, X amount of the podcast, and then my task was I need to find a location. Where am I gonna shoot this at? I knew I wanted it to be visual. Yes. This is kind of where Trey comes back in the picture, and he's always just real positive. Nah, you're, you'll figure it out, it'll be good. We got this, we got this, you know? And I'm losing my mind because I can't find <laughs> no locations in the city that'll let us smoke. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't have a smoking podcast and not smoking it. Right. And I right. was just getting discouraged. Like, maybe this isn't it. And um, one day I was like, you know what? I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of it. I told Trey, I'm good. He was like, no, nah, just take, you know, take some days. And yeah. I was like, I don't want to do it. I can't find the location. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I calmed down and something was like, go on Craigslist. I don't even know where or why. I would never go on Craigslist looking for anything. I usually don't. Right. And I went on Craigslist and I saw this, this window. It was actually this apartment, this mm -hmm. unit on an ad. And I was like, oh my God, where, where is this view at? Because it was a, a freaking 15 foot floor to floor, floor to ceiling uh, to floor windows, whole yes. view of the Denver skyline. And it's just incredible. for what I visualized for the podcast, I knew I had to have this spot. Yes. Um, the spot was actually rented out at the time when I came, so I was a little bit sad again. But I was like, nah, you know what? This one's going to work out. Yeah. And I got a call maybe a month into just kind of waiting. And they said the people had vacated the apartment randomly and it was available. So oh, I signed the lease. Random. Yeah, I signed the lease. And it's like, what the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> So be careful what you wish for. That's how this started. Be careful what you wish for. And so, so how's it been? So how's it been? It's truly an entrepreneur because that's what it is. You're investing in your business. Yeah. You know, this, this Mile High Sessions is, I mean, it's, it's more than Manji Reverie. I mean, it's, you are, you are guiding it. You are hosting it. You're bringing it to life. Yeah. But look at what you're doing. Look at what you're doing for the city of Denver and, um, you know, so much for the cannabis culture. You know, you're investing in this business. So how's it going? So, um, and what can we do? How how can how can we help? Who's listening? Well, I out haven't there? released what the podcast do? yet. Okay. So we've been in the spot for over a year, and I decided to do it very differently than everybody else. Okay. I think everybody gets into a rush and decides that uh, I have this idea, and if I don't execute this idea within said you know, portion of time that my idea is not worth it, instead right. of actually really taking the time out yeah. to, to map out what it is that you're trying to do. Because honestly, when we took this location, I didn't know what the hell we were doing. I sat, <laughs> I sat on the counter, no furniture, no, you know, this is, this is a pretty, pretty penny, you know. And I think yeah. I cried for the first three days. I just sat and looked out the window and cried. I was like, why the hell did I do this? Like, oh this doesn't make any sense to me. 
And I was so just, I was scared. I'm not yeah. gonna call it anything else. I yeah. was scared. It was a lonely process. A lot of people didn't believe that I could do it or that yeah. it made sense or why I would do something like this. Right. They didn't see the value behind marketing and pushing different products and different brands. And that's really what it led to. So it went from just being a podcast, which I wanted to showcase the urban side of the culture. I wanted to talk yes. about the stories of the minorities and the females and, and people whose stories we're not seeing on Netflix and I'm not seeing on Hulu, but they're such important players in this game, mm -hmm. the legacies and the people that came before it. And, you know, I work with the National Cannabis Party and their whole, you know, ploy of how they're gonna help us as a as a country legalize this medically to help for people's medicinal mm -hmm. situations and just give it some some equity so it's right. it went from just a little podcast <clears throat> and a way to market people's products to a full-blown marketing situation so yeah. now um i've i've been involved in the launch of at least two different brands um Salute to Tikal, that's Method Man's brand. I was very heavily involved in all of the, the planning, the execution of the drops, meet and greets, uh, marketing, promo, uh, yeah. my photographers, uh, Cam does all their stuff here in Colorado. And we've set the bar really high yep. for what it looks like to market a yes. cannabis product. Um, yes. Certified Magic also, they're a little family, small Latino owned situation. And now oh, they're in every major that. cookies and all the major dispensaries here. And now we're looking no. at deals in other states and this is all within a year. So I know the marketing is clutch. You know, Wolfpack always did a wonderful job at marketing themselves. Oh so God. it was fun to just grow with them and then now see all the different things they've kind of graduated into. So for me, um, I think the most important part of this for me is the documentation of a, a very fast growing culture yes. and um, being a pioneer in the media side of this game, which is what, how we met. We were speaking on a panel in, in Las Vegas about a the, very new part of this industry, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Your story, you know. I heard it, you know, at the panel, and we've all, you know, had some conversations, lots of conversations since then, you know, but it never ceases to amaze me, just your, your perseverance, you know, and your just belief. I mean, and I have to say, so I want to talk about, I just want to talk about, speak on one topic, and then I have three questions that I ask all my guests okay. before we wrap up, okay? Gotcha. Topic that I want to talk about right now is style. Mm, okay. Okay. It may be foreign to you. No, what, I mean, can we please just, just tell me about your style inspirations. Talk me through it. You know, you are, um, you're just a light. The first time I saw you, I think Patrick and I were like, oh, fuck yes. Like, you had a lot of green on. I kind of resembled a leprechaun. Yes, no, it, but your hair was just like, it was a beautiful, like, way. Farrah Fawcett. Farrah Fawcett, yeah. like, that was amazing. That uh, was amazing, amazing, amazing. So, yeah, talk to me about your style, babe. Uh, I'm a Gemini, so yes. my style kind of just depends on what I feel like that day. Uh, um, like I said, I'm a round-the-way girl, so always yeah. just very urban. Um, I like accessories. I'm a big accessory girl, so I don't think I focus as much on, um, you know, I could wear a white t-shirt and some jeans, but my sneakers have to be freaking 
A1, just fly and clean, and oh, yeah. I like my jewelry. It's a New York thing, you know, I yeah. guess it's a culture thing. Yeah. Um, Latinas with the big hoop earrings and that stuff that I'm used to. I always grew up like that. I've always yeah. worn a ton of jewelry. Um, so you must have Tiffany's been dying. Is, you Tiffany's must have been dying in the feds. Like, oh my God. What the hell? <laughs> did you just like, how did you express yourself? Um, I got in trouble a lot. They wrote me up a lot. As a matter of fact, I came across a box of uh, EEO complaints that I had to file over multiple years because everybody kept bothering me. It went from no facial piercings to no, they wrote an SOP once, I, I shit you not, I still have it somewhere. And everything on the SOP was the outfit that I had on that day, right? right. So as it read this shit out loud and they handed it to us and I'm, I'm reading it, and I was like, this <laughs> SOP just describes my entire outfit that I have on right now. Like, I think you guys wrote this before I <laughs> came into this room. Wow. So I fought them a lot. I was uh -huh. always the rebel. And they were like, you probably shouldn't stay in federal. I was like, I probably shouldn't stay in no damn federal service. But it paid so well. Yeah. And it's what everybody expected me to do. Yeah. They expected me somebody's wife, somebody's mom. Great job. You know, I'm not saying that again. That's That doesn't suffice. But um, it's not what I wanted. Yeah. So Thank now God. I get to... I get to Thank be God. whatever the hell I want. I probably have over a hundred tattoos. Easy, easy. Yes. I probably go. I got like a monthly check-in that I go to my artist when oh I feel God. like having somebody scribble on me. And um, this is my normal. And it's funny because my kids are like, "Why can't you just be normal?" I was like, "Well, who defines normal?" You know. Thank I was you. like. I was normal for a long time. I, I was the mom that had a nine to five. Well, shit, it was like a six to freaking five job. I was the one that wasn't able to be there to do certain things or pick you guys up from school or drop you off. They know, I, I think they think I'm overbearing now. I was like a mama bear and it's just me. I feel so that. I have to protect this whole broad, that. you know, but I'm enjoying the fact that, um, all of their skills are basically in the arts. You yeah. know, both of my daughters are it's very beautiful. talented artists and they, they paint and they draw and one's an actress and... Do they help with this? Do no, they, they didn't no. come okay. in and help with this. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. I let every artist come in here and I didn't tell anybody what to do. So they all picked their own wall mm -hmm. and I just said, make it fit what you think fits me. That's all I asked. And everybody did. We got the Wu-Tang room in the back, yes. and it's like a brick wall room. I and the front it. room is our shroom room. And it's got a beautiful uh, painting of the, 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 what was it, the conjunction last year that happened with, was it Jupiter? I don't remember. I think it was Jupiter. Oh, was it like a, was it like a blood moon situation? Yeah, it was something. It was yeah. the conjunction where oh. Jupiter did something. It know. wouldn't happen again for like 500 years. I don't know. I'm sure I spread some water. It was beautiful. And just... she, she spread it on that wall and I had um, different artists come in and do kind of like the pop art and Rubezilla did this wall uh, over here with, um, he's actually Rube. the first artist that did a High Times coloring book. You know, mm -hmm. High Times featured yeah. him. Yeah. And then the gentleman oh, behind yeah. me is super talented. This is um, official. This is Aaron. and. Uh, he's. This is my favorite wall by far. I, just, I love all the walls, but this one is I just, just a showcase to that like. That Nas is like holding the solo. Card. I know it's okay. a whole homage to just hip hop, and it kind it of fits and the, the struggle, theme. you know, the struggle that you have felt, that you have lived, that, and that's why you're here. Yeah. Um, so okay, three questions. First question: Your dream smoke circle. Dream you get three circle. people, dead or alive. <laughs> Three people, dead or alive. Ooh, I like that question. 
I smoke with most of my dream smoke circles, so I guess. <laughs> oh shit! I guess I guess I. You like everybody I don't know in this shit. room? Um, okay. Who have I not smoked with that I'd like to smoke yeah. with? Definitely Snoop. Okay. Snoop is on my smokers list. He seems okay. like he would be fun to smoke with. Uh, Seth Rogen. I like mm. funny people. I want to laugh. So Seth seems like a lot of fun. Yes. I guess he would be in um, a good smoke circle. And um, I'm not going to go with dead. We're going to go with alive. Okay. Uh, Redman. I have to throw my brother in this oh. circle because I smoke with him regularly and he's probably one of the most hilarious fucking people on the whole earth to smoke with. You never know what the hell is going to come out of his mouth or just what kind of crazy adventure you're going to end up on. So That is incredible. I actually get to smoke with one of my dream smoke people, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty honored. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful Those idea. Those are my three. But if I had to choose somebody dead, it would definitely be Biggie. Okay. Biggie, Biggie would have been dope to smoke with. Yeah. Definitely yeah. Biggie. That's who I thought you would say. Yes, for sure. Um, okay. As a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question, next question. Um, what other woman is killing it in the game right now? Mm, Wanda James. Mm -hmm. My hat's off to Wanda James. There is not a conversation that I have in any cannabis space that I do not mention For her. Wanda. Yes, to Wanda. I'll light to up Wanda. to that. Wanda James is... So um, what is she? She's, she's the first dispensary owner she in She is the color. first African-American dispensary owner in the entire country legally. Um, Wanda James is the owner of Simply Pure. Wanda James is the owner of Simply Pure, and she has her grow, and she was a pioneer in this game in a, in a time where most people wouldn't have thought we could own things like this. Um, She's been in she just Forbes, she's been on in every panel ever, you know, just. How did you meet her? Wanda? Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm sure she like cried a lot when she like took step by step in the game, like you did, you know what you I'm saying? You know that she didn't even know that like that she was just the title? Did she did not know that she was the first African-American anything, That's probably incredible. until a, Somebody interviewed her and, and let her know that. She's like, That's she, history. I, didn't, I didn't even know that. That's history. And she doesn't so when even I look come, at herself like that. Super um, humble. She's super humble. How do I know um, her? Um, I went to her store looking for her. Wow. I did. I went to her store looking for her out. to do an interview for the podcast. And um, at the time, I was helping pick the stores okay. that Tikal was launching in. And Method Man is super specific about the mission statement. And in every state that we've launched in, our goal was to launch in minority-owned stores first to give mm. us the opportunity Beautiful. to kind of have that head start before we go to the more corporate stores and the Absolutely. bigger, you know, monster of situations. Absolutely. So when um, the Cal team asked me, you know, who do you think we should launch in? And I know, obviously, because we deal with it here, um, who is minority owned, and I said uh, number one is Wanda James, hands down. Cool. I definitely know that that's her mission statement, and wow. she's always fighting for equality. And she, um, she's got a very political background, and I enjoy the fact that she puts herself very front and center when it's a hard position to be in. So, so Wanda James. I don't remember the rest of the question because I'm high. No, that's it. That was the question. <laughs> Wanda James. <clears throat> we'll make sure I'm very high as well. But um, absolutely feeling this and um, can't wait to go to her dispensary because yes. that's the best way to show that you care and to show that you support is what your dollars do. And she's running for CU Regent of Colorado uh, University. Okay, so good. I, I hope she gets it. I hope she implements a cannabis nice. uh, curriculum to nice. allow people to actually come into this industry and mm -hmm. have an opportunity to start learning it, you know, to begin with. 
That's beautiful, you know, and I'm sure she's the first African-American woman to do so many things. Yep. Um, first African-American, but she doesn't think like that, and that's where, she that's does. why she is where she is. She's I guess amazing. it's just, she just, it's progress. Super um, humble, a lot okay. of fun to smoke with. So, third question. What would you tell 13-year-old Manji? Oh, that's a good question. Um, don't worry about everybody else. Don't worry about everybody else because you're going to spend your entire life listening to people project insecurities and things that they weren't able to do onto you. Mm -hmm. And all it did was delay the inevitable. But I'm also glad that I went through all of those life experiences because I wouldn't have had as much shit to freaking talk about. So I'm excited to be here. Um, I can't wait to launch this podcast. We're finally going to finish doing the edits and everything. And the team is excited to let everybody know what we've been working on. We're 22 episodes in. 22 so episodes. I took our time. We yes. wanted to at least have six straight months worth of freaking weekly content Amazing. so that there's no lack or lapse. Yeah. Um, we were very thorough about how we filmed this. I was not, and I'm still not in a rush to release it because I right. want it launched under a major network like Charlemagne's podcast network mm. that focuses the black effect, that focuses yes. on the minority stories and situations. So I kind of got my eyes revoltish, you know, things like that. So we're going to make sure that this looks exactly like what it's supposed to look Good. so we could tell these stories properly. Good, yeah. good, good. I would expect nothing less from you, Ms. Manji Reverie. <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you for Thank having you me. Thank you so much. Um, let's do this again. Oh, man. First, now I got to come to Texas. You better come to Texas, girl. Oh, but every time I come to Texas. Manji in a cowgirl hat. Oh, my God. Oh, and no. boots. Oh, my God. The accessories. <laughs> the teacher was right about that part. The teacher was right. Might have to give it a, give it a look and add some accessories to it. No, but thank you, you so to. much for coming here. I'm excited to come thank have you. you guys sit on our podcast, too. Yeah. Hey, let's do this. If you'd like more, subscribe to the Feminized Podcast on YouTube. Follow at Feminized with Liz Grow on Instagram. Special thanks to our sponsors, Moose Labs and Richard's Rainwater. The Feminized Podcast is a Grow House Media production created by Liz Grow, produced by Patrick Pope and Dan Sram, with original theme music and audio mixing by Q at Q to King Productions in New Braunfels, Texas.